Hello, and welcome to Be an Instructional Design Rockstar with Blair Stamper. We're in season two of this podcast, and we're going to do things a little bit differently. And as many of you know, I'm currently working on my dissertation with Arizona State University. So this season is actually going to be part of my research design. And what that means is this podcast is going to be used more so as a reflective piece from beginning to end of an entire design and development process. So each podcast will be a week-long amount of reflections, and I'm really excited to share this with you. Let's get started. April 22nd, 2022. This final reflection will be broken up into two parts. Part one aligns with the final few weeks of the course design and development process, and part two discusses the interviews that were conducted with faculty members who participated in this semester's process. Part two is much more related to my dissertation, while part one is more so related to my day-to-day job as an instructional designer. Part one. The last four weeks or so are usually a blur during the course design and development process. There is a range of emotions and workloads for each course depending on how the planning phase was conducted. For those courses that completed a full course planning map during the first 10 weeks, along with the detailed activities, it's a matter of working independently to build each module. This can be done at a slower pace with meetings in between for clarifying questions and feedback from the faculty member with greater alignment amongst the course. Another type of course are the ones that submit all the materials during the last two to three weeks of the process. This leads to a rush to build with little engagement between the ID and the faculty member for clarifying questions and feedback. For these builds, I'll often do weekly meetings on a ton of update emails to ensure that all of the components of the course are there. For both types of builds, I create a checklist of missing items that I can then share with the faculty member. This helps me keep track of each course, as I am often moving very quickly between four to five projects at a time. My emotions are often high during this time, with little to no time for outside projects or emails. From beginning of the day to end of the day during this time, I am focused on making sure that each course is is built, student-ready, and accessible. One of my strategies for making courses accessible is to build accessibility into my work. This means any document that I upload, I perform an accessibility check and remediate before uploading into the course. This helps having to do all of the accessibility changes at the end of the semester when I'm already tapped from rushing to course build. Some of the last pieces of the process is performing an entire course accessibility check using UDOIT, a great tool we use at my institution within Canvas that checks each page for issues creating the start here and homepage items and filling out our student ready checklist. Part two, after conducting the six interviews with my participants, I'm really excited to dive into the analysis and begin to compare these with my own reflections. On initial reflection, I realized how much reflection is actually needed during the course design and development process. Four faculty members spoke to how much they thought about what students struggled with currently, how to scaffold this, and present their content in a way that promoted student success. This reflective response aligned with my own experience participating in the collaborative meetings between myself and the faculty. Often, our meetings discussed, how do I do this in the online format? 
Through these discussions, I actually had a faculty member realize that their current presentation of content was not working. They then decided to streamline their content, use less textbook-related content, and provide more tutorials for students. My hope is that this small improvement will then help students better succeed in the course. It also makes me curious as to the long-term effects of a course design and development process on faculty, but of course that's for a different study. For the faculty who adopted the ICAP framework early on, they spoke to how reflecting on their teaching strategies using this framework helped them see where areas of active learning could be improved and consider how to incorporate more interaction in the course. In one of my last consultation meetings with a faculty member, we were discussing a discussion forum where students would post questions and the faculty would respond in video format to the whole class. She was debating between the passive and active levels and presented why they could be considered both. It was in that moment that I realized that the faculty member had embodied the framework and was truly using it to improve their course. And that wraps up season two of How to Be an Instructional Design Rockstar with Blair Stamper. I can't wait to jump into season three. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining Be an Instructional Design Rockstar with Blair Stamper. I really hope this episode has helped you get into the mind of an instructional designer as I go through an entire design and development process. See you next time.